on this episode of Comedy Rewind. Where does 51st Dates rank amongst Adam Sandler's filmography? Is Drew Barrymore the best amongst the long list of his romantic interests? Is there a worse punishment than being forced to watch The Sixth Sense every single day? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica and Manscaped as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me this week, we've done this podcast 50 times already, but she keeps forgetting. So here we are again. It's Melissa Tucker, a star of the stage and screen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having it's me. All right. it's, uh, it's, it's great to have new people on the podcast and this is very new because this is our first time even like interacting so why don't we you know start off uh not just for me but for our listeners and and you tell me a little bit about who you are and and what you do yeah so um well i in los angeles and i grew up here from the san fernando valley um so at the moment you know right now i'm doing a lot of producing writing um acting i'm kind of creating my own content I did the millennial job interview. That was the one that ended up going viral with like over a hundred million views, which was really crazy. crazy. Yeah. Or not expecting that. So that was like insane. Um, so, and right now I'm working on a series called Marissa goes to Washington. Um, and it's similar to that video. It's that character going into politics. Right. So um, it's basically, she was running for president and she finds out she has to drop out because you have to be like 35 to run. <laughs> And then um, the opposing candidate wants her to come work for them because of her 500 million followers. And they want her to be their social media advisor. But she's like, no, I want to be taken seriously. Like, I'm only going to do it if I'm the political advisor. Sure. <laughs> so um, then they're finally like, OK, let's just make her think she's that. But she's not. Um, and we'll just, you know, kind of get her followers and stuff. So anyways, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, really fun. There's a lot of twists and turns and stuff. So I'm really yeah, excited about that. That sounds cool. And and what a fun time to be melding like the humor of social media with politics and everything that's been going on. <laughs> right, exactly. And I just think it's so fun to like merging the two different generations and like bringing them together. Mm. And, you know, it's just, it's fun to have like that interaction and kind of learning about each other's generations and stuff. And then bringing politics into it. It's just... That's cool. And, and can yeah. people see that already? It's like, on, is it a web series that people can check out? Yeah, the whole thing's not out yet, but there's about um, five episodes out now. So, and you can go and see it on um, my, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube at the moment. Um, so on my YouTube channel, Melissa Tucker, um, and also um, there's little parts of it too on TikTok sure. as well, but YouTube is where the full series is. Very cool. Okay, and you've done a bit of, of uh, film acting and that kind of thing as well? Yes, um, I've done, um, I did like a feature, um, an independent film, mm -hmm. and then I've done a couple pilots. Um, and yeah, a couple different projects. Yeah, cool. Sounds like you um, are kind of starting to dive into to that world of trying to, I guess, make a name for yourself and and put and it mm -hmm. sounds like from from what you've said like working on your own projects is like a really awesome way to kind of show what you've got to offer and that kind of thing exactly and i get to 
Um, it's so much fun because I get to do a lot of the writing on mm. it. Um, I get to, you know, learn the process of producing. Like I'm just learning so much. And so um, it's just been a really fun experience. That's cool. All right. Well, I gave you kind of a list of a few movies to pick from for this podcast this week. Mm -hmm. And you came up with 50 First Dates. And I want to know, you know, what is it about this movie that kind of drew you to to choosing it? Like, what was your experiences growing up with this? Do you remember the first time you saw it and that kind of thing? Yeah, I don't remember the first time I saw it because I've actually seen this movie. <laughs> I'm not even seeing it a million times. Um, but it just brings me back to, like, my childhood. And, like, I mean, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together. Like, the first time I saw them together was The Wedding mm -hmm. Singer. Um, which I love that movie also. Um, and then this movie, I remember it coming out and I just, um, I love both Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. So them together um, with this type of scenario, which is so much fun. And I used to watch it all the time and it just, it brings back that like 2000s feeling for me, like that nostalgic, you know, feeling when it was just like, more carefree times, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I have a similar kind of thing with this where, you know, I was a fan of Adam Sandler from, you know, Big Daddy and Happy Gilmore and these movies mm -hmm. that I'd seen prior. And I remember watching this at the movies. I remember being like really annoyed that they spoiled The Sixth Sense because <laughs> I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought about that when I watched yeah. it recently because, um, I think I had seen The Sixth Sense at the time, but literally I watched it a couple of days ago to rewatch it again. And when she said that part, I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I wonder how the people felt who had never seen The Sixth Sense before who watched this movie. Yeah, I don't know if you could get away with that these days. Like that's, yeah, no, I, I think spoiler so. culture is so much more of a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I remember sitting there going, well, I guess I'm never going to watch The Sixth Sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've still never, yeah. you know, to this day, sat down and watched the entire Sixth Sense. Really? I'm just like, ah, I know what happens. I've seen. I've I seen know that's pieces. like such a big twist too of it. Uh, it's like the main craziest mm. twist of one of like the craziest movies. So yeah. I already know it. And, and on top of that, like, if I had any chance of forgetting that part of the movie and, and watching the Sixth Sense without being spoiled, I'm a really big fan of Scrubs. And there's an episode of Scrubs where they also spoil. The Sixth Sense. So I feel like it was just like open season after Fifty First Dates did it. You're like, well, they did it. Yeah. So, and I, I even read like that M Night Shyamalan gets still gets upset when people ruin the twist. So that's tough. I know because still people, there's like you know, I'm sure there's still people who haven't even seen it. Yeah. Well, there's this whole younger generation, I guess, who weren't around when there was a hype for it, so they might not even have heard of the movie and then they might go to watch it but oh well thanks a lot drew barrymore <laughs> yeah i was gonna say but now if they watch that movie first yeah. but it's funny like the way that they watch uh the sixth sense like every single day uh it, it sounds like what you just said where you've seen this a million times because uh you know it's just one of those movies that's it's really easy to watch uh it's really feel good it's pretty wholesome mm -hmm. for, especially yeah. for an adam sandler movie i think Moving into the 2000s, he'd done a few uh, movies prior to this, like Little Nicky, which was, you know, really weird. Mr. Deeds, which was fine. And I think Punch Drunk Love, which didn't do so well. But this... Yeah, actually... Yeah. yeah. 
I didn't punch drunk love. I saw mm. all the other ones. But that's the one. Yeah, but for me, like my memory of of this is that it was Adam Sandler playing a character that wasn't a giant man child. He wasn't like screaming for half the movie and like punching things and smashing right. things. Right. And right. the wedding singer had that as well, but it was still a bit gimmicky because it was an eighties uh, period piece. So this was almost the first time you saw Sandler as like a normal person, I guess. Or like normal straight man. Yeah. Person. Like he's a vet. Like- so it's like he's, yeah. you know, he's not a wedding singer. He's not a. Well, like the voice is constant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's something that kind of made it stand out to me. And uh, I think for that reason, I think a lot of people kind of hold it in some, some pretty high nostalgia. I actually have a comment here from one of our Twitter followers uh, at Shay Spin Sprouts on Twitter who said, I would watch 50 Dates. 50 First Dates almost daily when it came out. I was three years old mm-hmm. at the time. That movie will always have a place in my heart and has become my comfort movie. So it sounds, you know, like a, almost a similar experience to what you described being a, a little bit younger. Yeah, I mean, that's, and like you were saying, that's the kind of movie it is. Like, I feel like that's, like some movies you can't watch over mm-hmm. and over again. Like The Sixth Sense, I don't know how they did that. There's no way I can watch that movie <laughs> over and over again. But like Fifty First Dates, like that's the kind of movie. Like even though you've seen it so many times, you can still watch it and like be into it and like mm. laugh at the joke and you know be into their chemistry and stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's you know the second time we've mentioned the wedding singer. This was the second time that Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler teamed up. I think Drew Barrymore was offered mm-hmm. the role first, and she said that Adam Sandler would be a great addition. So he came in, I think he reworked the script a bit and turned it into more of a comedy than a drama. You can definitely. In yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even yeah. Know and that. you can definitely see like, there's these elements of it that are really dramatic and emotional, mm-hmm. um, which we'll probably, probably get to a bit later. Um, but yeah. It's, yeah. Cause I was going to say that about Adam Sandler being more emotional in the movie. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, the topic of the film, like it's by definition, a, a pretty like traumatic thing that's happening to this character every single day. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, it's got it's it's ripe for that drama, and I think that the the mix of comedy and drama is really good. And as you've mentioned as well, the chemistry between um, Drew and Adam is so good, and you can see like they've got a connection. They've they've done these movies before. I think about ten years after this, they did blended so their third movie together yeah i didn't see that one me neither but this yeah as i said this is the most successful of their films like financially yeah. and you can i think you can see why when you look at it we had another question from uh one of our listeners and and part of the 8-bit network uh matt tilby who said where does drew barrymore rank in the list of female supporting characters in sandler movies which is a pretty impressive list when you think like Julie Bowen, who's obviously now huge from Modern Family and Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I've seen uh, Pete Sampras's wife. I can't remember her name in, in Billy Madison as well. But there's there's been like so many over the years. I think Drew Barrymore definitely stands out though. And it might be because they've done that, gonna, that multiple kind yeah. of times. I just love them together so mm. much that... Um, like, I love all the other actresses. I love Jennifer Aniston. I love all of them. But I love Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore together the best. Like, I just think they're so good together. And 
they bring, I don't know, they bring like this kind of magic, I feel like. Mm, I agree. And it's one of those things with these films where you always go like, how does Adam Sandler get this girl? Like, they're beautiful and everything. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's handsome enough. But uh, I think when you see Drew Barrymore, and she, she looks so good in this film, but she seems like the kind of person that would really appreciate a sense of humor because she's so fun mm-hmm. and you can kind of like it, it yeah. kind of makes sense that he's like making her laugh and you know she's mm-hmm. sniffing his fingers with the fish smell and yeah. all this all this weird <laughs> stuff and you go yeah you know i can i can see that working and it, it's believable yeah. from that side of things yeah she's like can i smell your hand <laughs> <laughs> she loves yeah. yeah no it's so good and i and chemistry is so important you know, with anything you're watching. So I feel like having good chemistry is. Yeah. And I think Adam Sandler appreciates that too, because you can see that yeah. he just casts the same people in all these movies, <laughs> like yeah. another Rob Schneider movie. With, like all these same guys that he, I think he went to school with some of them and he still. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a few like Schneider who he would have probably met at SNL and then some of the smaller parts, um, like like yeah. 10 second Tom and the, the security yeah. guard like, yeah like you you'd yeah. recognize them from big daddy and other movies and then even mm-hmm. drew barrymore's character's father blake clark he has been in all him. yeah he's great he's been in like all sandler's movies he was in I the know, water boy sorry he's from boy meets oh uh, yeah too. yeah he is yeah Tom's dad. Yep. and it was good seeing him like with a bit more of a meaty role in this movie yeah I thought so too. And he's so funny. I saw him one time um, at the Laugh Factory and he's great. He's so funny. Yeah. Like I had known him from Boy Meets World and then I started seeing him in the Adam Sandler movies. I think he was also in Waterboy. Yeah, he was the mumbling kind of, like you couldn't understand anything he said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but he's great. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Cool. So this movie was filmed for $75 million. It made $198 million dollars and i want to see if you can guess the rotten tomatoes score for this one Ooh, okay it's funny because i always check rotten tomatoes for every movie <laughs> but um gosh. okay i'm gonna say i like i love this mm. movie i would give it like 100 <laughs> but i'll say rotten tomatoes gave it like i feel like it gave it like 50 mm actually really close it's 45 percent, which seems like really too low to me i mean Mm -hmm. that's why you can't always like i feel like trust yeah i'd I'd say this is a good example of the maybe the critics didn't appreciate this as much as normal people (laughs) and and i think adam sandler has been like a bit of fodder for critics over the time and he has had some movies that they've liked i think big daddy was um a movie that the critics liked because it that's true though his other movies usually always get really low mm. like grown-ups yeah yeah i mean grown-ups was the time that was the movie that i watched and i was like okay i think i'm out on sandler movies going going yeah, ahead like because <laughs> he's not I, trying yeah. anymore <laughs> i 100 agree i did the same yeah. thing and then it was since then it's just been it's just kind of putting the same kind of stuff yeah. that and since then, it's just been like Netflix movies, basically, which we'll, we'll get to. But I do have a, a comment here from Roger Ebert about this movie. He said, it's sort of an experiment for Sandler. He reveals the warm side of his personality and leaves behind the hostility 
anger and gross out humor which is i think something that i've mentioned before the movie doesn't have the complexity and depth of groundhog day but as entertainment it's ingratiating and lovable i think that's really well put like it it, um i like the comparison to groundhog day it's the same kind of thing where he's like basically trying to convince someone to fall in love with him within you know 15 hours of daylight or whatever it is yeah. yeah but um yeah the the comment there about his the warm side of his personality you know the first kind of i guess 15 minutes of the movie we're introduced to him as this womanizing guy who doesn't really care about women's feelings and that kind of thing but it's only that start of the movie where he's like that and then as soon as he meets uh lucy his whole personality just transforms into a different character basically mm-hmm. yeah definitely a warm loving guy who actually has feelings yeah and, <laughs> and it's not like he, he actually puts her ahead of his himself unlike like you wouldn't really see his billy madison or his happy gilmore characters doing that mm-hmm. or his big daddy character for for part yeah, of it too. he does everything he does it's like she's at the mm. center of it yeah like he's, she's what he thinks about that's right yeah so melissa i want you to guess now the number one song when this movie released in 2004 i think it was oh my I think god it was february 2004 oh my god i'm not gonna get this right <laughs> the number one i'll song. give you a hint it is an outcast song hey yeah see that would have been the obvious guess but it's actually the way you move which ah. funnily enough if this if this movie came out a week earlier the answer would have been hey yeah because hey, yeah oh, really? hey yeah was number one for like a few months and then the way you move oh, knocked it off in february so, oh, how crazy. so they had two songs. yeah they had back-to-back bangers good time for outcast yeah outcast was huge mm. Yeah, I like talking about that. It kind of takes you back to the where we were at. It does. I was thinking about me and my friends, like, blasting Outcast <laughs> in the car, like, driving, you know? Like, let's, like, let's go home and watch 50 First Dates. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And listen to Outcast. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're moving into the section I call, What Have You Done For Me Lately? And we're going to look at what these actors have, have done in the past couple of years. So Sandler uh, had Uncut Gems come out, which is a really tense and kind of mm-hmm. anxiety driving uh drama or thriller he did hubie halloween which was a- another of those netflix movies i mentioned that he's been mm-hmm. pumping out drew barrymore i don't know if you've seen her on santa clarita diet but she's fantastic in that as a comedy next to timothy Olyphant. and uh she's apparently got her own talk show now which the Drew Barrymore show. I haven't seen oh, okay. any clips of that, but maybe okay. it's like a COVID thing where it didn't quite get off the ground. It's probably a bad time to launch a talk show in 2020. Yeah, I think she was having it because I would see little clips on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't end up, I haven't seen an episode of it yeah, yet. Yeah, sure. So I'm not sure. Um, when I when I asked on Twitter, you know, what, what holds up and what doesn't hold up from this movie, someone uh, a friend of ours called at Cooper Bebo said, Sean Astin, such a bizarre and great role in this movie. So Sean Astin as, you know, the brother, such a weird character. I don't know if I've seen a character like this in a movie, like a lisping steroid freak 
who's... He was so good yeah. at it. He was so good. And I remember watching this and thinking, oh, that's dude, that's Samwise. And it, it really, it seems like a really overt attempt to, like, not get, um, uh, what's the, like, typecast as, like, as, as, a, as a hobbit, basically. Because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, like, the opposite of Lord of the Rings. It was, like, way far. Yeah. Like... <laughs> other end far yeah but um because when i first saw him i was like oh my god i didn't even i couldn't believe it but um i felt like he played it really good and i felt like you know to try to play a different character mm. it was um a good move yeah for sure and it's it, it, it's a good move because we've since then seen him in like a bunch of you know different things and he's avoided the trap of of being typecast Right. That's like the scariest thing I feel like for people is to be typecast. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people from Lord of the Rings have managed to avoid that. Like Elijah Wood's done a yeah. lot of stuff and Dominic one again. They've, they've, you know, he went and yeah. did Lost and yeah, they've, they've had some good careers out of that, uh, which is no surprise because they're all supremely talented. But uh, yeah, Sean yeah. Astin, we've seen him in Stranger Things. Uh, in you know, shout out to was it Bob? I can't remember. Shout out to Bob if that's his name. Um, he's showing up on TV yeah. shows here and there quite a bit these days, uh, and he just played Shazam in the Lego DC video game. Uh, Blake Clark, who we mentioned as Drew Barrymore's father, I didn't realize he's the Slinky Dog in Toy Story three and four. He replaced the previous oh voice God. actor who passed no. away. Um, so yeah. now when I see uh, Toy Story 4 again. I'm going to be thinking of, of the guy in Waterboy. <laughs> I know, me too. Now I'm going to go back and watch yeah, it Yeah, that's cool. I did not realize he was the voice. Mm. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, who shows up a couple times in this movie, he's got... Oh, I have... Yeah. Um, no, I had this... Because, co- okay, so when I was watching it and Dan Aykroyd was in it, or the part that he comes in, he goes... Um, when they're going into like the doctor's office, he makes this comment and I kept thinking about it where he goes, um, Oh, here we are at Callahan and Sadinsky. Mm-hmm. And those were two names that he said in Tommy boy. So uh-huh. I was like, did they, <laughs> did he do that? Like as a, like thinking from Tommy boy, um, just to like kind of put that in there. That's funny. Uh, but I don't know. I just noticed it and it just kept making me think of when in Tommy Boy, he goes, oh, Callahan and Sadinsky. Yeah, that's funny. I, I feel like when I was looking through the IMDb trivia, I glossed over something that said something like that. So you're, you're on to the money there. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> so yeah, he's got yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out this year. I think it was meant to come out like really soon, but it got delayed to November. So it'd be cool to see, you know, the old fellas back in the... Back in the one piece jumpsuits. Yeah, again. <laughs> cool. Okay, we'll get into the, the categories now. Melissa, what's the most two thousands moment or thing in fifty first dates? What do you got? The most two thousands thing. Maybe the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> the the sunglasses. <laughs> like there's so many like pairs of sunglasses you see. It's those yeah. like really like tightly wrapped to the face ones like sam mm-hmm. has got them on for the most part and even other characters yeah yeah and some of the outfits you know are very 2000s mm. yeah i feel like sandler probably still wears the same kinds of clothes as he did back then to be oh, honest I, yeah 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah the the things that stood out to me was the weird 
phones, uh, cell phones, mobile oh. phones. Like, there's such a variety. I, I don't know if you remember back then, the phone companies were so, like, experimental with the designs of their phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the opening sequence where it's like a montage of all these women who've met Henry in Hawaii and talking about him. And one of the women is in the car and she has like a phone with like a really long antenna, like the pull up antenna. Mm-hmm. And then when they're at the diner and the, the woman who was friends with uh, Lucy's mum is like calling the dad to say like, Oh, mm-hmm. Lucy's coming. She's upset. She pulls yeah. her phone out and it looks like my wife said it looked like a Tamagotchi. Like it was this, like egg-shaped round thing. Yeah. yeah, that's how you always know when you watch a movie. That's how you can tell like what year it was by the phone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like pre-iPhone. It's like pre-2007. Yeah, like pre-pre-pre-iPhone. Yeah. But it was post like the Nokia, you know, snake phones, the brick phones. But yeah, It's so crazy because I forget about those sometimes. Mm. Like I forget we had phones like that until I watch these movies and I'm like, oh my God, what did everybody do without yeah. the iPhone? <laughs> yeah, you, you watch know? like a a hip hop video from the early 2000s and you'll definitely see like the crazy variety of, of phones that people had, you know, the ones that like twist and, you know, you, you pull out the keyboard and type on it and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or it reminds me of like night at the Roxbury. Really big phones. Like to take like the mom's like, okay, here we go. And they're like, you. The other thing I wanted to shout out was like, for being a mid 2000s film there's so much old media in this like there's a lot of vhs tapes we're seeing a lot of uh vcrs and that kind of thing there's no dvds i don't know if that's because they wrote the movie like at the cusp of dvds becoming a common thing that's what i was gonna say because i feel like at that time there were still some like it wasn't it was very few, but I think there were still some VCRs. Mm. Like some people still had VCRs and videotapes. Yeah, it, it was definitely, we're doing 40-year-old version soon on this podcast. And I remember there's a scene in that movie where Steve Carell is selling a, a VCR-DVD combo. Like you could get one that had like both in it. So this was probably a little bit before that. So I guess people were holding on to the VHS and VCR but yeah, it's yeah. it's so much a part of this because not only are they watching Sixth Sense like every single day on, it's like a video yeah on the videotape. But then they start like Sandler records this video for her and he plays right. it to her every day. Um, he's got some really good editing skills, by the way, because he whips that together overnight. <laughs> oh my god, I know! Like and with all the information. Yeah, yeah, and it would have been. And it would have been like analog editing too, because it was tape. So we would have had to like connect the tape to the computer, and like I'm just thinking like Windows Movie Maker or something like that back then. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I was surprised that they weren't embracing DVDs and that kind of thing. But maybe that's still a few years to come. Most iconic scene. What did you have for this one? So I feel like there's so many. It's tough. Um, but the one that always sticks out to me um, is where they're in the bed and then um, 
when they wake up in the morning and she like has forgotten him and she just starts screaming and then just like you know just starts going yeah. at him like I always think about um that part like always pops into my head even though I like so many scenes mm. like that scene will will pop into That's my head fine. yeah it is great because you can just see it coming a mile away and it's you're yeah. like what are you doing and starts, like, <laughs> yeah and then the, the dad and the brother come in they're like um, that's your boyfriend. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I had a similar one in the fact that it also involves Drew Barrymore, like, beating someone up. <laughs> and it's the montage of... <laughs> of Oh, with Rob Schneider? Yeah, it's the montage of Henry, like, every day getting her attention and, and making up these elaborate scenarios just so he can spend some time talking to her. You know, so, you know, he's got his car broken down by the side of the road. He's getting mugged. And then she comes and, like, beats the crap out of him with the baseball bat. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's so funny. Okay. And it's um, it's just oh, it's yeah. just a joy. <laughs> you got to love watching Rob Schneider get beat up. Yeah. She just keeps going on Rob Schneider. Yeah, and she's so chirpy about it at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one that I wanted to mention was for a different reason, the scene where she first, well, from from the viewer's perspective, it's the first time she finds out about what happened. So they're, yeah. it's the first time Henry's there for that too, I guess. So, she, that, you know, they whisper back to her home and they're showing her like the tape and they're showing her the clippings in the, um, in the scrapbook that they've put together. And she's asking all these questions and she's like she runs out on the jetty and she's like all emotional and i found that like a really moving scene as a you know as a 33 year old who has lived a life and compared to the the young child like the 15 year old that i was when this movie came out i related to that a lot more as like the the pain and trauma that she'd be feeling in that moment and i just thought like they've done such a great job of uh dialing up the stakes in this film by adding that scene mm -hmm. in there yeah definitely to really capture like finding out that you've been you live the same day every day mm -hmm. the same over and over again and that tomorrow you're gonna forget this day yeah. like, i can't even imagine i mean to think tomorrow you're not gonna remember anything mm -hmm that's happened like how scary yeah like for sure and it only gets more intense as the movie goes on and she gets more involved with him and you know at the end of the movie they have a child which i think we'll, we'll right. get to like, yeah <laughs> um, but i wanted to ask exactly. at this point do you think it's possible to fall in love with someone in one day because that's that becomes like the second half of the movie is him Getting to like, I guess it's it, her to fall in love with him. Yeah, it's it's like him there. getting familiar enough with her that he can pull off the impossible, which is get, convincing her that she loves him. <laughs> Do you think it's possible? Right. You know what? Like, I want to say yes, but I don't. I really don't know. Like, I just feel like I mean, to, because and then you know, every day to get someone basically to like fall in love with you all over mm. again, you know, cause it's clean slate every yeah. day. I don't know. Like there's so much like, cause you know, and every day is different mm. and that's such a tough one. Like I just 
don't know that those feelings, you know, it's like, is that possible? Yeah. Like, could you re have those feelings like every single day? Cause especially at the end when they're like married, yeah. um, you know, with a child. It's weird. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she's waking up thinking that it's her dad's birthday and they're going to go get the pineapple. Hmm. And instead so, she's like, Oh, I have a three year old daughter. Okay. With a guy that I've never seen in my life before. Yeah. And I'm on a boat. I'm married. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a boat in the middle of nowhere yeah. and I have a child and I'm married to this guy that I've never seen before in my yeah. life. I mean, cause like, if I think about that waking up tomorrow oh. and all of a sudden I'm married with a three year old <laughs> child, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I could handle yeah. it. You know? Yeah, I think I think I would. I think there are like out. some people in life who are like ready to fall in love at the drop of a hat. Like they just want to fall in love. So I think if if it's that kind of person, it, it maybe like you know they get swept off their feet. They obviously have the proof. Like when she's filming him herself and and like interviewing him, and so then yeah. she knows like okay, it's not like a hoax or a prank or like I'm being like scammed or right. something. <laughs> journal every night like about all their times together and I guess if you do have that like intense connection also because at the same time too like it shows that part where she um starts drawing him like she sees him in her dreams so it's like there's still there's like a part of him that's still connected with her even when he like leaves and she tries to forget about him it's like he's still there yeah he's like the literal man of her dreams <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so yeah i guess that that kind yeah. of makes it work yeah that's kind of the yeah. that's almost like the screenwriter saying let's let's find a way to like make this plausible <laughs> right so it's not completely <laughs> yeah although i i did say to my wife when we were watching it like i don't know like could i make you fall in love with me every day There'd be days, there'd also be days where you just wake up and you're like, I don't feel like it today. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say too. Like, you're in a different mood. Like, what if you're, you know, every day? Yeah. Like, what if you're in a mood that day? Or what if he yeah. wants to hang out with like his friends? Is it just like, today yeah. you can just pretend like it's your dad's birthday. Tomorrow you can fall in love with me. <laughs> well, I was talking to my um, friend about that too. Like, we're talking about like, could you make someone like fall in love with you every single day? And we were talking about that and she was like, we were going over the same things where it's like, what if you're just like, like, I can't do it today. Mm. You know, like I'm exhausted. Like he has a job as well. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. And I was just like, maybe if I didn't have like a full-time job, you know, and that was like my job, but yeah, that. Yeah. It seemed like the aquarium was pretty flexible with letting him take full days off to just woo this woman. I don't know when he sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great moment to let our listeners know that support for Comedy Rewind is brought to you by Manscaped, the very best in men's self-care, hygiene, and below-the-waist grooming. We've got some great news for listeners. You can experience Manscaped's life-changing products around the world with a handy 8-bit discount code, whether you're in Australia, Hawaii, or any other exotic location that Adam Sandler might choose to film one of his movies. The Manscaped engineering team has redesigned the electric trimmer, perfecting the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 with a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. We know the ladies prefer a clean look. We know the modern man needs the confidence of feeling and looking good, but we've got to use the right tools for the job. 
With Manscaped's perfect package, you can pick up the Lawnmower 3.0, but you're also going to get a range of moisturizers and deodorants that make you feel like you could make Drew Barrymore fall in love with you each and every single day. The Lawnmower 3.0 is coming with a USB powered charging stand, an LED torch light, waterproof technology for easy grooming in the shower, and battery life that lasts up to 90 minutes. You know, we're not using VHS tapes and VCRs anymore. We've moved on, it's all about the streaming and it makes sense that you move on from your archaic methods of manscaping. So if you want the right gear for the task, you can only get it at manscaped.com and for free shipping and 20% off, you're going to want to use the code 8bit, that's A-T-E-B-I-T, at manscaped.com. Anyway, uh, next question, what holds up the best in 51st Dates? What was it for you? With that question, was it just kind of like what holds up best like that would be there like today? It could, yeah, it could be anything. It could be something that was ahead of its time or it could be just something that they, a decision they made that is like still really, really good. Like, so for me, the thing that I had was the sweet version of Adam Sandler, like the, the choice to do that. Like I think this movie holds up really well. It stands out because of the role that it was and the character, um, that he's not a yelling man child, which I've already touched on. The other thing that I thought that holds up really well is this Goldfield syndrome, the amnesia that they made up for the movie, which at the time, I think there was some criticism about the way that the movie portrays amnesia and it being like an inaccurate portrayal. But (laughs) 11 years after the movie came out, two people were discovered to have this anterograde amnesia that resembles the type that she has in the movie. So I was going to say like, it may not have been a great idea at the time, but it's held up well in the fact that it's come to light that there are people who have this condition where they think, they think every day they think it's July the 15th because that was the day they went in for like a surgery and there was a problem with the anesthetic and it impacted their brain yeah and i think it opened people up i don't think people thought about it as much i don't think people were aware as much of like amnesia and that there's different kinds and that um it'd be a you know it would would be a very like misrepresented thing i feel like in hollywood because it's such a easy plot device to be like oh like jason bourne amnesia um now you don't know anything but you have all these skills and or like the guy comes back to his girlfriend after she's he's been on holiday and she doesn't remember him. Like it's just an easy kind of like plot device. Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. what they were doing in this movie too, but it just turns out that they went for a specific type that does in fact exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too, I don't think people really, you know, I mean, even with like that they have the place where they people that they would live, like the place that she went to go mm. live, even that they have places like that. Like a memory clinic or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think people are really like aware of that. Because it's similar, I think it kind of went on when Adam Sandler then did Just Go With It with Jennifer Aniston, where it's like a little bit of a similar mm-hmm. character where at first he's like just, you know, sleeping around and like, you know, doesn't care, whatever. Um, and then he actually starts to like care about somebody and, you know, have that relationship. But yeah, and I think like the situation in it and the scenario still holds up today. Mm. Um, like the characters and even jokes in it, I think still hold up. Like I, I'll still laugh at that movie. Yeah. 
on that note, what holds up the worst? You, you, you know, you mentioned the comedy is something that is still really good there. It's um, for the most part, I think it still really works. For me, there was a, a few things that haven't aged super well. Um, I think Rob Schneider's character, even though he did make me laugh a bunch of times, it's kind of awkward seeing him play a Hawaiian. And this is kind of a common theme throughout his career. Like he's played a Chinese man in, I've now pronounced you, Jack and Larry. He's played like a Native American, a Palestinian, an Arab, a Mexican. He's a Jewish and half Filipino actor, I guess. But yeah, he seems to really enjoy mixing it up with different uh, nationalities. And in 2021... I don't think you can get away with kind of, I guess it's brown face. He's, he's like got the makeup and a fake nose and everything. And it's just kind of a little yeah, cringe. Definitely wouldn't be able to get away with it now. Yeah. I mean, you would, you would know yeah. better than me being American and knowing. Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's what I would say too, is the least thing that would hold up is that there's no way I think he could do that now or like you know it's like they couldn't do that movie now and have him um i would say play that character mm. yeah and on top of that there was a couple s- quite subtle like transphobic gags in there as well there's the whole mm-hmm. like not knowing whether the the trainer yeah, is a, a man or a woman mm-hmm. and yeah. his like weirdness about that and then when uh, Lucy is catching up with all of her friends. There's, uh, I can't remember the names, but it was, it was, it was a woman that's now a man. And when she says that she needs to go tink- tinkle, when he says he needs to go tinkle, Sandler makes like a really kind of awkward like remark about the, I guess it's like the weirdness of it to him, which just yeah. seems like it doesn't really add anything to the movie and especially now that that culture has changed so much it doesn't seem like that would be an acceptable joke in like today's mainstream hollywood mm-hmm. yeah no i agree i think there's and it's funny too to look back at the 2000s and 90s because you watch so many things like i've watched so many things and i'm like oh my god they could never say those things today hmm. like they could never do those things today. You know, it's it's really crazy to to see a lot of um, things that are said and like comments and it's it's yeah. It's just like oh my god, like you know. Yeah, there's doing this podcast. There's always like at least one joke per movie that's like you can't do that now. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's funny because like this is a movie that I probably haven't seen since. I don't know, 2008 or something. So for me, it's like mm-hmm. a big jump in like, you know, oh, I forgot that Rob Schneider was a Hawaiian in this movie. Oh, I forgot that those jokes were mm-hmm. in there. Um, and f- f- I'm wondering like for you as someone that's maybe watched this like semi-regularly over the years, do you feel like you, you know, re-watching it yesterday or, or this week forgot that that was in there or was it something that you always knew and then one day you watched it and realized that there was something a bit off about it yeah I think it was like watching it again and like oh Mm. you know because at the time when I first saw it I was you know like 13 or something and we Um, we wouldn't have even really made the connection I think as well yeah exactly so um 
yeah. So it was like when I was 13. And so, yeah, definitely. It was like, oh, I didn't even realize at the time. We talked about the ending of like, you know, being on the boat, having a kid. That was something that I guess it's like the, the kind of crazy surprise ending. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, like that seems really far-fetched. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it holds up like the worst, you know, especially along what we've talked about already. But it, it yeah. was something that I was like, as far as like plot points go, that's the the one thing that I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? They still do weird things in movies yeah. sometimes. Like they still put stuff in and you're like, what? True. You know, yeah. like I feel like they still sometimes do that. Mm. Movies where they put these really far-fetched. Yeah, for sure. The next question was who would be most offended? And we've pretty much covered that already. I think the Hawaiian <laughs> community and the, the trans community like there's so many hawaiian actors in this movie as well which is great like representation and it's a great setting and i think adam sandler loves yeah. filming movies over there because he gets to go on holiday for like a year. A, yeah and he comes a lot over there yeah i think it's just an excuse like grown-ups seem to become an excuse for him and his friends to go to like nice places to hang out and film a movie um yeah and it, like Seeing Rob Schneider's characters' kids all be Hawaiian was even weirder because it's like, these kids are Hawaiian. You're clearly a white guy. Um, so, yeah, I, f I feel like taking that role away from from one of their actors would be, when you're like, filming in their country as well, would probably be the, one of the more offensive things now. Uh, next question. Does this movie pass the internet relevancy test? I'm going to say no, like I don't really see it pop up on social media, really. Uh, you don't see it in memes and that kind of thing. What do you think in your circles? No, I mean, like I know if you like go and look for like gifts and stuff, you, I think you can find some, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, as for, you know, with internet and stuff, I would also say no. Um, I mean, you've, you've uh, developed a bunch of stories and, and um skits and stuff based around millennials and social media so how do you think that social media would change this movie i think it would be really hard i mean i'm thinking too like they they lived you know um they were in kind of more of a secluded place mm -hmm. but that i mean just how big technology is now like it's just everywhere and i just i don't think you know she could escape it i mean i think maybe they would try to do a thing where they're like you know, because like she'd walk in somewhere and be like, someone would have their phone out. Because oh. it's like nowadays everyone has their phone out yeah. all the time. You go into a restaurant and she goes into that cafe, everyone's going to have their phone out, you know? And she's like, as the time goes on, it's like, oh, what's that? You know, like, what are these contraptions yeah. these people are on, you know? You know, and with Facebook and Instagram and all these different things, mm. I, I think it would change it a lot. With her memory and stuff, it's like today, you could just go on your phone, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think they, you know, the way they hit it from her then. I think you're right. Like it would be so hard to keep her away from phones and the internet mm -hmm. and like the news that's popping up on social media. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it kind of moves straight into the next question. Like, could you make this movie today? And what would the modern version look like? And I think, yeah, it, mm -hmm. it would be like, if, if I, if this happened to me tomorrow, I've obviously got my, established social media accounts and everything already on my phone so you'd almost have to like take them away 
from the character. So you'd have to like, you know, brick their phone or something mm-hmm. so that they wake up and, oh, my phone's broken and like their internet's out. Like, I guess I've got no internet today. Like you'd have to cut them off from society in some way. Exactly. You just have like, and you yourself, like her dad and brother couldn't have any of it, you know? Yeah. Or they'd have to hide it constantly or yeah for sure it would almost be like you'd have to come to that realization sooner that it's better to like tell her the truth than to make her live with the lie every single day because it would just be so much harder now than than it was back then right and if you think like as as time goes on like if you went back to the 50s or something it would have been like a lot easier than even in this movie mm-hmm this is the time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. This is where we award the actor who comes into the film for a short period of time, just kind of, you know, puts their mark on it, lights up the screen, mm-hmm. and then they disappear. We don't have a Steve Buscemi appearance in this movie, unfortunately. He was in a lot of Sandler's 90s films, but I think he... He may have grew, grew out of that to some degree. Um, we did have a great appearance from Maya Rudolph playing... Oh, yeah. Uh, I think her character's name was Stacy, one, of, uh, one mm-hmm. of Lucy's friends on the beach. And she's, like, really smitten with Henry's attempts to make her fall in love every day mm-hmm. and, like, a little bit annoyed that her husband won't, like, you know, clean up his underwear or whatever it is. Like, that's a great appearance from her. Uh, we had Dan Aykroyd, obviously, showing up. And he, he wasn't so much, like, lighting the screen on fire as just, like, being a solid presence. Yeah. Uh, Peter Dante, who you'd know from, like, other Adam Sandler films, I really... He had a tiny role in this movie, but I thought he was hilarious. He was, the like, receptionist at the memory clinic who, mm-hmm. the first time you see him, he's, like, annoyed that Lucy keeps forgetting who he is. And then the second time, he's the one that waves um, Henry into the clinic because he can't remember his own name or whatever. Mm. And I I thought he was hilarious. I I also wanted to shout out, uh, I'm not good with Hawaiian names because I've never really tried to to say them or hear them, but I think it's Pomeke Brown who plays the chef in the diner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's so funny. uh, The way that he's like making the bets with Sandler. And he's like, you know, semi-threatening with his cleaver. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's so good. Yeah, and he's like flipping him the bird and that kind of thing. So, out of these nominees, I think it's between him and Maya Rudolph. I'm not sure. Who, who do you think deserves the Spark Plug Award of those two? I think the chef, but I love Maya Rudolph. Mm. But I have to give it to the chef. Yeah, he's great. I think. Uh, yeah. He's such a physical presence as well. You know, like. Yeah, he's so funny. Yeah. All right, congratulations, uh, Mr. Brown, I'll call you. You've uh, you've won the Spark Plug Award. Uh, last question, Melissa, is 51st Dates still a good movie? Yes, I think it is still a good movie um, because it's it has that, you know, it's fun, lighthearted, uh, it has the romance. Mm. Um, it's just, it's a feel-good movie, and I think it's, like, a fun, cute movie to watch where, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh, that was so cute, you know? So, um, and Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, um, they're just great. So, yeah, I think it, it's still a good movie. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think the the wholesome nature of the movie shines through. 
Uh, it's it's got a good message about like <laughs> relationships and making sacrifices <laughs> and compromises and and that kind of thing. And uh, it's also just yeah, like you said, it's an easy watch. It's a really fun time. There there are some obviously issues that have aged it a bit with like especially the Rob Schneider character, but it's not so much that you can't like overlook it as like a moment in time and um, still enjoy what the movie's about. We had a a question from uh, our friend of the show, Brendan 8-Bit, who says, is this a top five Sandler movie? He's got a number three behind Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. What, what do you think? Like, is anything, do you think gut reaction top five for, for Sandler films? What do you think? Top five, it's tough. It is tough because there's, there's obviously a lot. Billy Madison, I think this is probably a, like it holds up way better than Billy Madison. Um, we did, mm-hmm. we did that episode last year, I think. And some of the, some of that's really rough as much as there's like, heaps of great quotes and lines that we grew up with and became part of our like everyday vocabulary the film itself mm-hmm. is a bit weaker so I'd, I'd probably have it ahead of billy madison and happy gilmore is probably up the top big daddy is in there i really like funny people when he worked with judd apatow and, and seth rogan so mm-hmm. i think if you throw in those one two three four yeah I, it's around. It's a, yeah. I think it's top five. I think that's safe to call it top five because yeah, it's a. It's definitely a debate. Like you could talk about Click. You could talk about Water Boy, uh, Wedding singer. Wedding Singer. But I'm I'm comfortable saying top five. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I I think so too. I think it was yeah. As far as Adam Sandler movies mm. go, I would say yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, before we wrap things up, do you want to tell people where they can find you on? social media and that kind of thing yeah um so you can look me up on instagram melissa may 94 um or you can also just type in melissa tucker i'm on youtube and tiktok yeah and those are the main places just type in melissa tucker and i will come up very good and we can see you on your series uh, what was it goes to washington Marissa goes to Washington. Yes, and there's new episodes coming out, and there's a lot of fun stuff in it. So, yeah, I think everybody will really enjoy yeah, it. Cool. All right. Well, you can catch me on social medias at Jonah himself. You can leave your uh, Apple Podcasts and Podchaser ratings and reviews to help out the show if you, you know, want to show us some love. And of course, we want to thank our guest Melissa for coming on the podcast. It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. Oh, good. That's great. And of course, dear listeners, we want to thank you again for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Until next episode, be kind.